Good morning. In the passage we will consider today, Paul will continue talking about marriage. In particular, he will speak directly to the unmarried and give them guidance. After hearing what Paul says, it would be easy to conclude that Paul had a negative view of marriage. I don't think that's the case. I think Paul had a very high view of God and believed it was important that his people serve God wholeheartedly. His counsel to the unmarried will be directed at helping them serve Christ with their whole being. But Paul doesn't limit his teaching to the unmarried. He also applies what he says to various aspects of everyone's life. His desire is to focus the believer's attention to serving Christ completely in the time that we are given in this life. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians 7, 25-35. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as if they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried and betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul begins with a word to the betrothed. This is a difficult Greek word to translate simply because it means a woman of marrying age who isn't married. We probably think of betrothed as engaged, but that isn't Paul's meaning. Again, he says this isn't a command from the Lord, but rather a judgment of one who is trustworthy. It is important, too, to see that Paul gives this advice in light of the present distress, which means he is not giving a universal principle for all time. There is an underlying principle that is universal, we will get to that in a moment, but his advice to the unmarried is given in light of their present distress. His advice is that a person ought to remain as they are. Specifically, that means if you are married, stay married, and if you aren't married, don't seek out a spouse. Paul will clarify what he is saying by assuring his readers that if an unmarried person gets married, they are not sinning. Remember earlier, he said it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Paul's ultimate desire is that the people of God serve him completely, and he doesn't want them burdened by worldly cares. The one burning with passion is probably more distracted than the one pursuing marriage. Paul reveals two reasons why he is giving these commands. The first is in verse 28, and the second in verse 32. The first reason is that he wants them to be spared of worldly troubles. Paul is not being negative about marriage. He's simply stating a fact. Relationships can be difficult, especially a relationship as intimate as marriage, and that does increase worldly troubles. Paul says that he wants to spare them that trouble. What Paul says in verses 29 and 31 
is the heart of the message he is trying to convey, and it's here that we all need to be particularly attentive. Paul will present five scenarios and will advise his readers how people living in one of these conditions ought to consider their station in life. He will speak to those who have wives, those who mourn, those who rejoice, those who buy, and those who have dealings with the world. In each of these situations, he advises that the person ought to live as if they weren't in that situation. So, the one who mourns ought to live as if they aren't mourning. He follows that same pattern throughout. What Paul says about the one who has a wife could be particularly troubling if we fail to understand what he is really saying. He doesn't advise abandoning one's wife or ignoring one's wife. What he is saying is that we are not to make temporal things ultimate things. Marriage is extremely important. It was ordained by God at creation, and it should be a picture of the relationship that exists between Christ and its church. But it will not extend into eternity. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty, For in the resurrection they never, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So Paul is not saying don't get married, don't mourn, don't rejoice, don't buy, and don't have dealings with the world. He is saying don't allow those things which will pass away in the judgment become ultimate things and lose sight of that which has eternal importance. When temporal things become ultimate, we make an idol. Even marriage, with all its benefits, can become an idol, which leads to what Paul will say next. Paul now reveals the second reason he is giving this command. He says that he wants God's people to be free from anxieties. He then explains that the married man is anxious about how to please his wife, and the married woman is anxious about how to please her husband, but the unmarried are able to focus their attention on seeking to please the Lord. Paul ends this section with his ultimate desire for them. He isn't laying a restraint upon them. He is looking out for their own good. Paul understood that his words could be taken as unnecessarily harsh or restrictive, but that is not his desire. Paul understood how easy it is for people to lose sight of what is of ultimate significance, and he wants them to stay focused. Remember, too, that he is responding to a direct question they asked him. He is not initiating the content. He is responding to specific inquiries. What he did want to do was promote good order and secure their undivided attention to the Lord. Earlier, Paul listed five areas where believers tend to get distracted. The things Paul lists aren't going to simply disappear from our lives, so I think it will be helpful to hear God's wisdom on these matters. The first thing is marriage. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.3 that marriage is to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Marriage is good, and God ordained that married couples strive together to honor God with their marriage. Next is mourning. Mourning is often rooted in anxiety about our life, but he also talks about rejoicing. Mourning and rejoicing go together. So, Scripture says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our anxiety about life is cured when we hope and rejoice in God. He lists two further things, buying and those who have worldly dealings. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, we are told, Keep your life free from a love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And finally, with regard to worldly dealings, we are told, Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. We as God's people need to remember that when Jesus came, he established his kingdom. That kingdom is eternal. That kingdom is lasting. And all of our hope and our efforts ought to be put at the kingdom of God or toward the kingdom of God. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray that the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we need to be reminded in all that we do, that needs to be the focal point of our attention. Please join with me as we pray. Father, we are grateful for this year. We are grateful uh, that we have been able to be together at the school this year. That has been a great blessing for us. Pray that you would continue to keep the students and the faculty healthy so that we would be able to continue this. I pray that all of these students, even in the midst of this struggle and difficulty, not only learn the things that they are uh, needing to learn academically, but this would be an opportunity for them to grow in their trust of God and of his goodness and of his provision. Thank you again for this day. I pray that you would bless it. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.